0: Welcome to Heating Up,
1: a podcast about climate change,
0: our dangerous future,
1: and what you can do about it. I'm Corinne. I'm Derek. And this and, is our podcast. Yeah, thanks for listening. It's been a minute. Yes. Uh, we did record a week or two ago, but it was crap. We uh, were
0: too ashamed of it. Yeah. It was <laughs> going to be real something. short. It
1: was like 20 minutes when it was all done. So way, sh- like half the di- time of our normal, and those were not quality 20 minutes. We
0: determined not good enough for you people.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's saying something, because our bar is real low. You've listened. But uh, yeah, you know uh we're just back so you know stronger.
0: quality control
1: yeah there is some quality you might be thinking <laughs> they just throw out any, any old garbage, any garbage the answer got. is no there is much worse garbage
0: <laughs> you have no idea how much worse <laughs> oh dear
1: oh so much has happened though corinne yes basically all of february corinne before we get started on this week's <laughs> podcast i do want to plug an upcoming event here locally Let's hear it. So I don't know if some of our listeners might have remembered or gone to the uh, preparedness event that happened a few months ago where we did the bug out bags Mm -hmm. and everybody got to build it. It was a great event put on by some great people here in Sacramento. They're putting on another one. At that event, they talked about having wanting to do more uh, emergency preparedness sort of workshops. Yes. Which is, I think, a fantastic way to kind of build mutual aid and preparedness in the area. And they're putting on another one. It's going to be a lot of fun. And this one, uh, they just sent the email out the other day but they're going to be doing a flood evacuation sort of tour.
0: Ooh, very important for Sacramento.
1: Yeah. um, So their idea is, of course, Sacramento is really likely to be hit by a flood any given year. Mm -hmm. And so most people don't know their evacuation route, don't know where they should go, where the high ground is, where they shouldn't go, and how to get into these places.
0: Avoid the pocket. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's the only thing
1: flash. I know. Uh, so they're going to do on March 28th a fun in the sun bike tour of the flood evacuation routes from downtown Sacramento. So you got to be
0: in good enough shape to ride a bike.
1: Yeah, which we'll get to. Um, <laughs> but it could you know help you with your emergency preparedness. Okay. You, you could get on a jump bike. They're electric. Right. Yeah, electric assisted. Ish. Or you could just drive and meet us there. Correct. I might meet you there. <laughs> but no, on March 28th they're going to be a yeah bike tour. I'm sure it's going to go slow. This isn't like a group ride with you know the Ironman. People, I would assume, uh, I'll bring my tri bike, just oh, race out in wow. front, <laughs> get down on the arrow bars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'll be great. No, but uh, group ride starting at about 11:15 a.m. and then touring the various exit routes recommended by the city of Sacramento. So they're going to go over like the flood plan. They're going to go to local hospitals, show you where that's at. Go to the high ground, show you where that's at. Uh, show you how to get out of the state. It'll be a really fun event. March 28th is going to be. Uh, oh, I say this, knock on wood. But normally, like late March, is just such gorgeous weather around here. It's normally like it is right now, like seventy. It'll either be hundred
0: degrees or probably raining.
1: Yeah, it could be rainy. Let's but hope. Who knows? I guess. If, if not, if
0: one of the two, let's hope rain. Yeah,
1: and then they're gonna end uh, and go for a well earned pint. So you can go hang out and eat some pizza and beer, which you've earned on your couple hour bike ride. Love it. Yeah. So March twenty eighth. Again, if you're interested, this event is being put on by the NP- NPWE's Climate Change Preparedness organization so it's got a facebook page you should look And that where up. does it start it will start uh at high water in sacramento okay and yeah as soon as we find the event page we'll put it up on our uh, facebook page uh, so you can find it or you can email us for more information and we'll send it to you but yeah it's great put on by the same people who did that bug out bag thing a few months ago so really looking forward to it i'm gonna go i don't know if you're gonna go corinne but i'll be there <laughs> the star will be so, you ready to get into the the news or whatever else we it. got? All right, we do have we did have three uh, primaries. That's, That's big news. That is big news. Uh, we had Bernie Sanders win all three. I know. I think he's the first person in forever to do that or something. I don't know.
0: I'm a little surprised, but I guess maybe I didn't know what I thought would happen.
1: Yeah, I'm glad that Bernie is winning. I'd much rather, I guess, Bernie than Buttigieg or some of these other people.
0: You can't even Buttigieg. His name's got a butt in it. You can't win with yeah, that. Yeah, he's done. He's done. I
1: mean, I feel like it's you know we've discussed this we've at, had at discussed length. This. Yeah, I like Bernie enough, so it looks like maybe he's going to sweep it or at least run away Super Tuesday's in a week or two. We'll see how that goes, but it does seem like he's the front runner by far now. So hopefully that works out for him. Like just yesterday, he was like my my big fear is that you know it doesn't really like. American target. politics is terrible, and the Electoral College is ridiculous. And so, like, the math for getting Bernie there, he's got to... I was, I was, now is the point in the year where I start getting really into Electoral College maps. And, like, in order to win, he's got to flip back Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and keep Minnesota, which Hillary won in, like, a statistical tie.
0: Yeah.
1: Or flip Florida in one of those states. He's not going to flip Florida. He's not going to flip Florida. Just this week, he was talking about Castro and, you know, and saying, you know, we can't discredit everything he did, which is probably true.
0: Well, maybe but Also isn't gonna maybe, fly well in Florida. Maybe get someone to direct your words a little bit better.
1: But I mean that's the sort of thing. Like that's the sort of statement that a lot of people on the left would be have no problem with. Right. Like and it isn't gonna hurt him in the Democratic primaries, mm-hmm. but will definitely hurt him in a general.
0: It is the kind of statement that someone professional like maybe Hillary Clinton would have never said.
1: Nah, yeah. We're gonna, gonna get into that. <laughs> Sorry, Bernie I'm Br- still It does in seem pain. like Bernie is gonna be our nominee. Nobody seems to want my girl, Warren. Although I love Warren. But... I love Warren. I really enjoyed her. It, she was great, if only if her only contribution is... To destroy Bloomberg. To destroy Bloomberg in that last uh, debate. It uh, was
0: nice to see him just sit there with his mouth dropped open, unprepared and unable oh, to respond. Oh, he was gutted like a
1: fish. It was great. But... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, good times That's from good. Warren.
0: We can always enjoy that moment.
1: Well, hopefully, I don't want to say hopefully, because hopefully it's uh, Warren president and uh, Bernie vice president, yes. you know, in my mind. But yeah. I would love to see uh, Warren come in as the VP pick. You
0: think he would pick her as his VP?
1: I mean, she's clearly capable. I don't know. Bernie is Bernie. Who knows? But I think know. she'd be a great pick. I would love to see her involved in whatever in ministry. Like, the other thing that re- I really appreciate about Warren mm-hmm. is, like, she was asked the other day, like, how happy would you be, you know, if you didn't make it, but, you know, some of your policies were adopted or whatever. And she was like, yeah, great. Like, she really, <laughs> really has like to a very America. little ego in it, and she really just kind of wants what's best for the country yeah so i I have a lot of respect for elizabeth warren yeah Uh, i get why people don't like her i get why she's not winning but whatever anyways that's presidential politics how about you personally corinne what is new since before i get into the news you always want me to talk about you
0: i don't always want to talk about me we have a portion that needs to eat up time where we talk about ourselves as a group (laughs) of okay uh i haven't been up to anything exercising and trying to diet which is terrible it's a horrible experience you know dieting is
1: well we were just talking about this a little bit off air like i feel there's this huge movement where like people think of food as fuel i think that's an
0: eating disorder
1: it's like humans are machines all i need to do is input protein and it doesn't really matter what form it's in or you know they're eating these gross bars or like the soylent drinks or whatever just to kind of meet their nutritional requirements as if all they were was a computer
0: now if you're definitely like needing to lose a large amount of weight for health reasons Yes, definitely do that sort of pre-measured whatever thing.
1: Sure, but just as, well, like, quality of life, like, no. food is one of the few...
0: It's my number one quality of life. <laughs> the best moment of life is sitting, watching TV, and
1: eating. I mean, you could even cut out the TV and just, like, with friends, but, like, the whole <laughs> aspect of <laughs> eating is so much, like, ingr- I think it's a hu- really, really human act to, like, eat right. in a group yeah. with people... I mean, not even just human. That's like an animal thing. Yeah. Like, it's primal in that regards. So, I mean, that's why
0: parents, right, the, the old the movement to have dinner with your kids every night, right? To get, sure. check in with them. And it's like Because everybody's got to eat. We've got to do it. And guess what? It doesn't have to be just robotic. It can be wonderful.
1: And food tastes great. Yes. Like, uh, anyways. Have you guys
0: ever tried fried foods? Come on.
1: Yeah. Anywho, uh, I agree with you. Dieting is terrible. Yeah. Um, and uh,
0: pretty bad pretty horrible it but we're lo-
1: gonna get into maybe a more positive side of that later today when we do our prepping segment that's a little true spoiler alert spoiler alert yeah
0: how about you what have you been up to uh
1: you know my phone's blowing up
0: yeah really popular guy over here
1: <laughs> uh i haven't been up to much been beautiful here very terrifyingly beautiful because <laughs> uh, as we'll get into in the news segment it has not rained at all in february it's like 75 and sunny out right now which i gotta say i love it great but <laughs> but also terrifying right uh well
0: with this might be fake spring Let's hope. I can tell you did an at-home Valentine's, because none of it's been cleaned up yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there are still flowers on the table, yeah.
0: And balloons.
1: Oh, uh, the Well, the balloons are going to stay up till they die. Okay. That's just,
0: well, would we not call they're those They're shoved dead? into
1: the corner. <laughs> they're still floating. That's helium. That's high-quality helium. Two of them are. Okay, well. Two of four. He, Whatever. Yeah, no, we've been married long enough to know that going out for Valentine's Day is for chumps. Scam. It's a big scam. It's crowded. It We're is terrible. More You've got to dress in uncomfortable clothes. Yeah, not worth it. So what I do for Valentine's Day is the smart husband, I clean up the house real good, vacuumed, uh, cleaned the kitchen, made a nice meal, I cooked it myself, set the table, had it all ready for her when she came home from making the money, because she makes more money than me. Uh, Just so. like a good woman should. Yeah, exactly. So... You know, did my, did my job. Good, yeah. good. The one day a year I can do things like that. you could <laughs> do this it.
0: more than one day a year. I do
1: do it more than one day a year. But I, I maybe don't buy flowers.
0: That, the flowers portion. I them. have
1: I have in the past bought flowers just randomly. Not enough. That's Not funny. as much as my you wife You know deserves.
0: where you know where you should go buy her flowers. Where at Reyes? Is it Reyes or it's the the local uh, flower place? Anyway, mm-hmm. they're great because you walk in there and you're like, I you can say I want a bouquet and they'll be like. All right. Uh, how much money you got? <laughs> He'll be like, "I got twenty bucks." And they're like, "What colors do you like?" And you're like, "Blue." And they're like, "All right." And then they'll come back with like a beautiful, custom-made bouquet of flowers.
1: All right. That's a plug for uh, Reyes. Reyes
0: on J Street. Okay. So, Good to know. Anyway, I'm just saying. Next time. It's and it's less expensive than going to Safeway. Sure. So should we get into it then?
1: We can get right into it.
0: I should have said yes to the Pepsi. <laughs> God, I've got no calories. I'd have to skip the dinner tonight if I wanted this.
1: Is there dinner tonight? My no oh. just eating. Can <laughs> like, we go into dinner tonight? No, dinner. I'd have to
0: skip eating. <laughs> sometimes the the Pepsi might be worth it.
1: Alright. Well, uh steal yourself, Corinne. We're gonna start with kind of a bad news update. <laughs> So the last time we actually recorded, we mentioned the story of the disappearance of Mexican environmental activist Umero Gomez Gonzalez. Yes. Unfortunately, uh, like right after we recorded and released that episode, his body was found. He was uh, found in a local retention pond, dead, uh, unfortunately, very tragically. And then shortly after that, a second activist from the same butterfly sanctuary was murdered. Who, uh, the body of guide and conservationist Raul Hernandez Romero was found in the same monarch butterfly sanctuary in Ocampo, Mexico. Both activists showed signs of death by homicide via blunt force trauma. So Boy, that
0: can't be a coincidence, can yeah, it?
1: Yeah, not great. I don't know what else to say. That's just a tragedy. Just We're going to start it right off the bat with terrible tragedy. Lovely. But I, we're going to go real light on like, actual disasters this week for you, Corinne. <sighs> Trying to make it easy since you can't eat the chocolate while we're doing this. Yeah, tough. Yeah, but we are going to start with coronavirus.
0: Okay, fine. I don't care. Cares. You don't care. I don't care.
1: Yeah, care. Coronavirus. Just go right into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as many of you know, the coronavirus has become a bit of a global pandemic. More than seventy-five thousand cases globally, and over two thousand one hundred deaths so far. The virus has been seriously hyped in the mainstream news for fairly good reason. We've got a couple of important connections to talk about between the virus and the environmental crises. So. Here on Heating Up, we are mainly about climate change and the environmental crisis. So how does coronavirus fit into that? Well, a couple of ways. First, it should be noted that climate change and the subsequent natural disasters like floods increase the risk factors for pandemic disease. So it forces people into close quarters, creates unsanitary conditions where diseases can spread. So oftentimes after a flood, you get, disease, you get pandemic diseases in the camps and in the refugee places and just in general because it makes it more likely for pandemic. So as the planet heats up, the risk factors for pandemic diseases go up, right? We've kind of talked about that before. Uh, one specific way the biodiversity crisis connects to the coronavirus, however, is that many news outlets have already said that this virus jumped from a different species to humans. So it mm-hmm. wasn't originally a human species, uh, virus, but jumped species. Right. So as we come into closer and closer contact with the last remaining wilderness, as we <sighs> cut it all down, we're coming into contact with diseases we might not naturally have come into contact with. Specifically with the coronavirus, the thought was that it comes from the pangolin.
0: Right, which is like this... Uh,
1: it's a gorgeous looking creature.
0: It kind of looks like an armadillo.
1: Yeah, it's like a cro- like an anteater covered in scales. Yeah, I guess it's uh it's beautiful, but also very endangered because probably it's such a good looking animal. But I guess in this case they were eating it. It was being sold at a meat market, an illegal like bush meat market, and that's where uh, people are believing that perhaps this virus jumped. They're not a hundred percent sure. It could also have jumped from bats. I think SARS bats was related is to bats. a bad one. Yeah. But yeah, so. It does seem like it did jump species, though, so that's another way in which this crisis, or the coronavirus, is directly connected to our environmental crisis. I have a question. What?
0: Do healthy adults usually die from the coronavirus? Healthy
1: adults don't usually die from most viruses. Right,
0: that's what I was saying. It's Um, mostly going to be like, it's similar to the 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 flu flu. when they say older and younger people are most Sure,
1: people who are most at risk for diseases are going to be the most at risk for most diseases. So, um the and coronavirus.
0: People, do we have a, like a, can, is it you die from the symptoms?
1: I honestly don't know.
0: Okay, because I was going to say, because could you kid it, treat the symptoms, and get through it, or do you get Well, I mean, like I said,
1: 2,000 out of 75,000 have died, so it seems like you get through it most of the time.
0: It's still a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. There is, however, a positive side effect to the virus that we can talk about.
0: Okay, this seems like a dangerous territory, <laughs> but okay. The
1: deadly t- pandemic has in many ways ground the economy of China to a standstill. An analysis by the climate website Carbon Brief... Last week has found that the electricity demand and industrial output of China are way down because of it, about a quarter less than they were at this time last year. Interesting. This reduction means that China's carbon emissions dropped a staggering 100 million metric tons over the same time period last year. That's, that's about what? the total amount of carbon released by the nation of Chile. It's
0: hard for me to picture. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's
1: why I gave you that. So like 100 million tons, what does that mean? That's but about how much Chile carbon was is emitted by chile every year so chile just got canceled out i guess they're fr- they're free to burn carbon. free to do whatever they yeah. want uh the reductions are due in part to travel restrictions quarantines and mostly just the lowered industrial output
0: well, that won't last though it's not like this is going to be the forever
1: sure uh, eventually the quarantines will be lifted and we'll get back to normal but they can't like go back in time to readmit. so any reduction i'll take okay. i'm gonna take it
0: wow that's positive thinking <laughs> we're
1: gonna take it corinne uh, while we're on the topic of the coronavirus, if you're looking for a reliable source of kind of just the facts information, like this is the other thing about the virus. One of the reasons why I've kind of tuned out a lot of the stories is because it's really hard to tell what's hype, what's real, what's panic, what's, you know, a r- actual legitimate news source for this stuff, yeah. especially early in the days when it was just everywhere It was like, how do I even know what, like, you're hearing updates and updates and which is the newest news and what's going on. It was really difficult to follow. And so one thing I appreciated is that one of my favorite uh, prepper websites, uh, Mm theprepared.com, was running a kind of daily blog, and I think still is running a daily blog with updates on the virus. And so they are kind of a just the facts sort of, you know, no real uh, agenda, just kind of here's the latest news from the CDC, here's the latest news from the Chinese government, here's... You know this other experts, you know testimony on it. So just mm-hmm. really good source of solid information about what's going on with the virus. So at theprepared. dot I would uh, I've, we plugged them a few times. We're going to keep plugging them. It's a great resource for kind of rational <laughs> Way preparedness. Better,
0: uh, preparedness, great people than we are
1: for sure. But uh, I mean, no nowhere to get your information. So it's a, I think a great source. So again, another reason if you are interested in the coronavirus, wanting to see what's going on, the latest with it. Go to their blog. Another thing they did over at The Prepared, and this uh, I'm going to not get mad at them for, but kind of mad at them for, uh, I didn't realize it, is that they put out a primer on respirators. So in our last week's episode, (laughs) the one that never got issued, one of the reasons it was so bad is because we were going to do our own Mm. thing about respirators. And then I saw, oh, the the prepared just did a better one better and published I. it out there put out way better information so i'm like well we should probably should just let the experts let the talk about it so then we had nothing to talk about yeah. so it didn't work out great for us but that's another good thing you can get on the prepared.com is a, a kind of primer on what sort of respirator to buy you see all these people walking around with masks nowadays um but there's a huge difference between like Wearing your bandana or a surgical mask and an actual respirator. Right. Um, so they go over all of those distinctions and what's important, what's not, and what you should probably be interested in stalking. So, yeah. Ready for the next news story, Corinne? Am I? I don't know. Are you?
0: I don't know. You know what the next news story is.
1: Yeah, you're ready. Things are heating up around the planet this month, Corinne. Good job. Yeah. Antarctica recently had a record-smashing heat wave with record-high recordings of 69 degrees Fahrenheit.
0: I've heard that.
1: Yeah, so nice uh, first. And then secondly, it was significantly higher than the record-breaking 65 degrees, which was recorded just earlier this month. Yeah, so the more typical average for this time of year, 39.2 degrees. a little bit different. So significantly higher than the average temp. All this means that it was warmer in in Antarctica than it was in like Juneau, Alaska or Boulder, Colorado.
0: Right, I've heard that.
1: Which is crazy. Like, 70 degrees is like t shirts and shorts sometimes. Like, when it hits 70 here in Sacramento, it's like breaking out the flip flops.
0: Minnesotans would be like, this is (laughs) so hot. So hot.
1: So not great when that's how hot it is in Antarctica. The Antarctic Peninsula is one of the fastest warming parts of the world, which I'm sure we've mentioned on this podcast before. Most of the glaciers in that region are retreating rapidly. According to a 2018 study, ice shelf collapse and the speed up of glacial movement into the sea at the Antarctic Peninsula caused an increase of 25 billion metric tons of ice loss per year from the region between 1992 and 2017. All that ice loss then creates a feedback loop which further accelerates warming, which in turn accelerates ice loss, which then accelerates warming. Got it. So not great. Not ideal. No. Ready for the next one. <sighs>
0: okay. Okay.
1: So you may have noticed, if you checked out my backyard, one group of people that have been loving this uh, nice weather are the bees. Sacramentans? Yeah. I've got a couple of hives of bees out there that have just been going crazy. Loving it. Because everything's starting to bloom and they're getting out.
0: We need bees. We
1: do need bees. What we don't need are killer bees.
0: Oh. Oh, I'm sure somebody
1: does. They have their niche. But a swarm of as many as 40,000 Africanized bees sent several people to the hospital and closed a street in California after swarming the eaves of a Howard Johnson Inn. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, police and firefighters were called to the scene after a report about a bee sting on a boulevard in Pasadena last Wednesday. Two firefighters, two police officers, one civilian ended up at the hospital after being stung. Something sent them off, some activity, noise, vibration. It's hard to tell what, said Dave Williams of the Los Angeles County Beekeepers Association. Police and firefighters first tried to calm the bees with smoke, then used the extinguishing foam to kill the bees after they failed to calm down. Yeah. Sad for, the, sad for the killer bees.
0: I have driven through a swarm of bees before. Like, yeah. no choice. Like, actually, I was parked at a red light, and then I was like, oh, God, what is that? What is that? And Roll swarm up the window, bees, get it up. Yeah, got the windows up, and it was just like, just like little pings all over my, and I was like, oh, dear God. If they could get in here, and I don't even know if I'm allergic to bees. Have
1: you never been stung by a bee? No,
0: I've never been stung by a bee.
1: Well, you make that happen right now. I'll pass. Okay, I got a an pen somewhere. I,
0: You know, let's not test it out. Okay, next time. Next time
1: yeah anyways uh have you seen the movie honeyland speaking of bees
0: i have not
1: oh it is on amazon i think i don't think it's amazon prime i think you still have to pay for it what? but it is worth paying i don't know what it is 5.99 3.99 whatever pay you for that pay movie for it yes no? well because i had heard about it but it well, i didn't see it in theaters when it was here uh-huh. so, so good you'd love it it's about this woman uh in macedonia and she's like a like old school beekeeper. Like she okay. keeps the ancient ways of keeping bees or whatever. Um, and then she like lives in this delicate balance and then this family moves in and they're like throwing off the whole balance. It's it's high drama. True
0: story? Or yeah.
1: It's like a real like documentary. It's so good called Honeyland. So everybody. Hi- Honeyland. Yeah, that's my pick for the week. Watch Honeyland.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, just great. Uh, also speaking to bees, like we said, my bees are going crazy around here and that's because we have had such ridiculous weather in sacramento or in california in general this month it's been
0: quite lovely i have to say
1: it has been lovely but also not good february is traditionally one of the wettest months of the year here in california or in sacramento and it has not rained at all and that if it goes throughout the month and there's no sign of any like weather formation moving in that might be bringing rain throughout the rest of the month if it does go all february without raining it'll be the only time in 150 years that's ever happened in sacramento can't be good All this means is that parts of the state are now already in drought condition. So we went into twenty twenty having ninety-five or ninety percent of the snowpack we're supposed to have. So we were having a pretty decent year come at the end of December, starting in January, where it's like, oh, we're almost at where we should be snow wise. Well, that's dropped to below fifty percent, or probably below fifty percent by the end of the month. And so, yeah, parts of the state are already in drought. It's going to be a long, hot, dry summer. We'll be paying for this later. Yeah, so it looks like it's setting up for a potentially epic summer of fires and drought.
0: No, lovely and enjoyable at the moment, but not a good sign of things to come.
1: Overall, (laughs) yeah. Speaking of heating up, Corinne. uh, (laughs) Good plug. Yeah. A few weeks ago, we talked about that high-temperature blob of ocean water near New Zealand. Yes. uh, That was just kind of sitting there and heating things up in the ocean. (laughs) God, I'm going to keep saying it as many, many. times as possible. Uh, well, ocean temps have been pretty high all around the area of Australia, and now the Great Barrier Reef could be heading for its third major coral bleaching outbreak in the last five years. Uh, those, if those high ocean temperatures do not drop in the next two weeks, scientists and conservationists have warned.
0: At this point, I'm surprised they have any more coral to be bleached. I just assumed it was all done for.
1: Yeah, many are predicting an event worse than the massive bleachings that occurred two years ago when about half of the reef's coral died in back-to-back bleaching events in the summers of 2016 and 2017.
0: Yeah, I remember that.
1: Uh, So things are not looking good for the Great Coral Reef.
0: Sounds like we should have gone to Australia for our family trip this year and suffered anyways just to enjoy the (laughs) last bits of the coral reef.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they wrote a letter like last year basically saying that like the coral reefs are in such terrible shape that it almost is worth not making them unesco world heritage sites anymore because like the, it's terrible it's, it's i mean it's very tragic uh but that is not good no and that's the end of the news i have for you corinne We're well like
0: that's about all i can take yeah. so
1: didn't do any major like deaths yeah death, except for the coronavirus no, death, Did there do, was some death there, there yeah. was some death not a lot Tried to, tried to keep it nicer for you. I but appreciate we, it. But we do have a nonsense story to talk about that made the news. Please. So our news and nonsense segment is uh, Do
0: we have a se- sem- song for the news and nonsense? No. We should get one.
1: We should. It's a semi-recurring thing. It's only when I find something. So there's a lot of times you get these weird stories in the mainstream press. And then like, so like people in the environmental movement talk about a lot of weird stuff. And then every now and then it breaks out into the real world. Uh-huh. And it, it kind of causes a lot of nonsense. And that happened this past week when Caitlin Fenley, a PhD candidate at Purdue University, wrote an essay that got published in the Washington Post that generated some controversy, uh, but I think brought up some really good points. It was about, can you guess the topic? What could have caused people to go crazy?
0: I don't know, a woman said something, so that's about all it takes. (laughs) Fair, fair.
1: She was talking about uh, the population, planetary population okay. and population control and how there's almost 8 billion people on this planet. Right. And it probably can't hold that many. Yeah. If you missed it, you can find uh, her essay online. It's from the Washington Post. Caitlin Findlay is her name. And, and I'm sure uh, some of the backlash is online as well because she got really close to that third rail of environmental politics, which is talking about population control. mm at a fundamental level, I think everyone understands that one of the root causes of all of these myriad of environmental crises is that there are just too many people using too many resources on this planet. Yeah. Like, no matter how you we want to add it all up, there are just if millions. If there were just ten of us, we couldn't yeah.
0: destroy the Earth that bad.
1: Yeah, likely billions more people on this planet right now than can be reasonably expected to support without serious problems. Mm-hmm. Right? And as we see. As we see all around the world right now. The problem is that whenever uh, someone starts to talk about population control, we find ourselves pinned into a very tight space considering the historical horrors that have been wrought in the name of population control. So... You know, we don't have to get into it too much, but she calls it the dark underbelly of population control, which has led to things like the eugenics movement, compulsory sterilization campaigns, China's one child policy, and even part of the justification for things like the Holocaust is population control. Did they really so, use
0: that as an excuse? Sure.
1: They want to keep down the population. Of, you know, it's the final solution I for guess them, Nazis guys. Nazis
0: will say some crazy stuff, huh?
1: Yeah. Nazis are bad, period. We're going to take a strong stance strong on that.
0: Strong stance. Bad on Nazis.
1: But population control has been used to justify tons of terrible, terrible shit in the last 200 years or so, and probably before that. Either way, these horrors undermine any real attempt to have a serious conversation about like, global fl- family planning. Because right. anytime you bring it up, you're going to be accused of wanting to murder people. And of course, historically, anytime top-down population control happens, it's going to not go great for the poor. Not right. go great for the marginalized people. The most uh, vulnerable people in society are going to be the victims of that. Who, which populations are going to get controlled? Right, right. So clearly, there's good reason to be very worried when people start talking about population control. This is probably one of the reasons why, when it comes to climate advocacy, uh, most activists in the U.S., myself included tend to push the population problem to the side. We tend not to want to talk about it. We tend to focus on things like consumption. So we argue that, like, overconsumption is a way bigger problem, right? Mm-hmm. Because, and it's true that, you know, the average American has a per capita foot carbon footprint of something close to, like, 20 tons of carbon per year, and the average Kenyan has a footprint of about 0.3 tons. Mm. So, right, so, like, one American has the cumulative impact of, like, 75, or, sorry, 65 Kenyans, so... When we are talking about, like, population control, it almost is always pushed off on these countries with large populations or super-growing populations like India, you know, sub-Saharan Africa. But really, we're the problem. But really, Americans have this huge consumption, you know, footprint that, you know, when you start evening all that out, there's a different way of looking at it. But that doesn't mean that they're not wrong, that there's too many people. So, yeah, of course, consumption is important, right? But we, when we talk only about that and we don't want to talk about population, We have this sort of select amnesia about population because we avoid the political problems, right? So we won't want to avoid a political solution to population. But by abandoning the issue, however, what we are actually doing is giving room to the right wing to take it up. So it's not unreasonable to see the clear link between concerns about population demographics and, like, the anti-immigrant nationalist rhetoric that's on the rise. Right. So, like, when we on the left kind of abandon population as an issue, the only people that are talking about it is the right. Yeah. So we should be able to find a way to talk about population and talk about global family planning in a way that upholds leftist values, Sure, I guess what we're saying. And we shouldn't cede this issue to the right because they're clearly using it to their gain.
0: Much better at this.
1: Well, I mean, they're, they're very good at fear-mongering about population. So, like, yeah. you see this a lot in Europe about, like, how, you know, these immigrants are coming in and populating their country. So, you know, the change in demographics, we see it here as well. I mean, that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And so it creates this sort of nationalist fervor that when we don't want to talk about it, we're just seeding the ground to them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we do have an issue with it. And even if we could decouple the carbon problem from population, like, let's say we could figure out a way to you know, reduced carbon footprints and make, you know, the planet carbon neutral and still not control population that won't solve many of our other environmental crises, which very much have to do with just how many sheer amounts of people are on this planet, right? So world population must be stabilized, Like Right now, we're growing by about 80 million people every year.
0: You're welcome. I've had zero children.
1: Yeah, I mean, but that's just incredibly unsustainable, right? At some point, it's going to be have to be stabilized and likely greatly reduced, right? So we got to talk about it somehow. Okay. And I think that's what uh, you know Finley's uh, you know our essay was arguing. As the left, we need to be able to unapologetically stand up for our beliefs on this issue, right? We know what it actually takes to reduce population, right? And these are leftist values. We know that we can demand a reduction in global population that occurs not by government kind of top-down kind of fiat, but we can do it by unequivocal advocacy for human rights and women's rights everywhere on this planet. Uh, Women need to have complete autonomy over their reproductive rights. They need to have the right to contraception, family planning, and abortion. This should be as much of an environmental movement goal as the goal of the feminist movement, right? Like, this is not something we need to back away from, but we should be able to work with other groups on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, other policy goals that have proven success in lowering the birth rate include achieving true gender equity um, in areas such as pay and increased ac- access to primary and secondary education. So when you do these things, when you, you know, treat women rights seriously— When you make sure that there's unequivocal access to family planning uh, solutions, the population goes down. People understand how to manage their own population. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you know it? And so these are leftist issues that I think that that the environmental movement needs to start advocating for.
0: But how can they advocate for that? just by the women's rights issues essentially that's the only route that you can take i guess
1: well i mean there are other things you can talk about we can talk about sensible solutions to it but what ends up happening as soon as you bring up the idea that population is a problem it's going to be thrown back at you as eugenics or as you know this and i've been guilty of this as much as anyone you do see these people so if you're involved in the environmental movement you can go out to earth day or whatever you'll see people talking about uh population and I'm just going to generalize right here, but every time I've seen organizations focused on population, it's a lot of old white dudes.
0: Yeah, that's
1: totally. Telling true. everybody else how they, the population's getting too big. Yeah. Uh, and that's a dangerous thing because, yeah, once the government starts mandating who can and can't have kids, it's not good.
0: We need to get some sort of a sketchy slogan like adopt, don't shop, you know, ad- ad- adopt your adopt, don't surrogate, <laughs> adopt, don't make them yourself.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, all, all I think she's saying and all I'm saying is that we can't deny the uncomfortable connections to things like eugenics, but we don't. We can't hide from the issue either. Uh, we have to re- roundly reject the racist and classist conclusions uh, of pseudoscience while still stalwartly standing up for what's right. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of our role here. Uh, the problem for me, though, is that this leaves the realm of action in just voluntary individual acts, right? Right, which like, you hate yeah well, we know that they're not real solutions for most of our other environmental problems, right? So like I've personally had a vasectomy I'm you not having had any. had a ki- child first. I did have one, but that's not <laughs> even replacement levels. If everybody simply replaced themselves, population would go down.:
0: Well, I'm doing so much better than you, sure. zero.
1: but my point is, you can take an individual action, but somebody else, octomom's already covered both of us. you know what I'm saying? So like,
0: haven't thought about octomom in a while. That's a good reference.
1: <laughs> but uh, you, you get my point. Like, if individual solutions don't work for any of our other environmental problems, what makes us think that individual solutions are going to work for population?
0: So maybe this just isn't an option to, to explore, Derek.
1: I don't know. I'm just, this is why I'm talking about this issue. It's a nonsense issue, right? It's one of these things where we've got to kind of come up with a solution here. So are we, if we're really going to dramatically reduce the population, unless are we really going to do that unless we're forced to do so?
0: Well, that's kind of a scary domain, isn't it?
1: Sure, I'm. This is what I'm saying. This is why it gets really scary to talk about population. But I mean, think about it. A lot for a lot of people, be fruitful and multiply is literally God ordained.
0: Okay, you just get rid of religion. Here we go.
1: <laughs> but it's not Solution. just religion. Um, but I, I mean, but for a lot of people, it is a religious imperative. It, it, a
0: lot of people. What is it that believe that the best thing you can do is to continue to reproduce right sure
1: well and then people's resistance to access to family contraception is religious as well so even if they're not about you know being fruitful and multiplying they're about not letting you have bodily autonomy also because of religious convictions Uh, for many of them not all but certainly a lot Uh, so it's been well documented that of course letting women control their own reproductive rights will ultimately curb help curb population growth if we're not making a policy-based approach, it's hard to, like, figure out how that's, you know, how are we really Why are all going to... these gonna...
0: people wanting kids? What's with you people? What's with you people? I don't get it, you know? You get to, to grow a child inside of you. Sounds terrible.
1: Well, we did talk a little bit about how, like, there's the whole, like, movement of women, and especially you know, the environmental movement, who aren't having kids because they fear for the future.
0: Sure, there's that. Yeah.
1: But for every, like we said, for every one of them, there's an Octomom. There's
0: a Duggars.
1: Yeah. There's
0: 65 year old woman still that, having children
1: right so there's there it, it just kind of seems to cancel it all out so yeah maybe i guess i'm just not hopeful that we can ultimately address These people the population don't have problem. enough
0: self-hatred that's the true problem <laughs> because if you truly truly hate yourself you're not going to be like you know what there needs to be more of me to go around <laughs> that, i don't have any of that there's no the world is not at a loss if i don't reproduce it's a gain. So sad. Best case best case scenario, I take a child who's already here and help them out. Why is that not? Ab- then they can't blame me for the way that they look or any failings of their genes. <laughs> then you can just say, I just opened my arms to you. Maybe I didn't do a perfect job, but it's certainly better than not having anybody, isn't it? You're welcome. Th- win-win. Why isn't is, everybody doing Did you just have this? a
1: fake, re- terrible argument with your adopted child?
0: Who hates me? Yes.
1: And you told them that... They were better off with you than the orphanage. So yeah, suck it.
0: It's pretty much
1: Okay, you're gonna make a great adopted mom, I'm sure if well, you explain I that theory at the adoption uh, the agency. Other, they're I'm just gonna hand you kids. I'm not even
0: doing that. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I just you you've gotta hate yourself a little bit more. We need to this level of narcissism in the world where people really just think they're great, they need to calm it down. Calm it down. You know? And that would maybe help for the population.
1: I agree. I'm just saying, yeah, I mean It's just a weird topic that got brought back into the news this week. So a couple people were writing, uh, you know, op-eds and opinion letters about it. But it is a tough topic to talk about on the environmental side because of that dark history. The moment you start saying, hey, we need government solutions to population. Yeah. Yikes. Mm. Uh, So but then are the individual solutions going to be enough? I don't know. Especially considering, you know, just people's religious convictions and what have you. Not good. i don't know really where to go with it i don't have the solution i'm just some random guy in a living room here but that's our nonsense topic for the day like most of them it ends just uh with
0: no conclusion with no
1: conclusion yeah not with with not a lot of hope for us actually being able to figure out a solution i think
0: well is there a good segue around here there's no good segue (laughs) this
1: is just kind of the end of it lovely yeah so don't have those babies that was nonsense yeah do your part do your part everybody you're welcome no kids
0: 31 years strong
1: 31 years. You really made that conviction when you were one? Well, like...
0: you know, I've only got like three more productive years.
1: <laughs> uh, speaking of productive years, Corinne. Okay. I don't know. It doesn't really even I'll apply. take the segue. It's now time to move into our preparedness section of, of the day.
0: All right.
1: Yeah, we need another segue for that one. We don't really have one. We don't, we need All we that. have is the news.
0: We just blurt out stuff. Yeah. There's no real rhyme or reason to it. <laughs>
1: I feel like we've done enough talking on that. Time to talk about preparedness stuff. Alrighty. This week, Corinne, in honor of you uh, going on a diet and me getting my sorry <laughs> butt back to the gym, yeah, we're going to talk about physical fitness for preparedness uh, from a preparedness point of view. So, real talk, Corinne. Like, nobody is actually in the shape they want to be in. Like, let's just be honest, everyone. There's some people. There's some people. Nah, nobody listening to this podcast is like, you know what? I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't be a little stronger, a little slimmer. A little bit better at just, you know...
0: It could be more agile.
1: It could be a little more fit in some manner.
0: I could consume less chips.
1: Right? So we could all do a little bit better. Sure. So when right. it comes to preparedness, though, being physical fit is re- pretty important in the right. case of potential disasters. So we've talked in the past about how you should get basic gear ready for emergency preparedness, right? Food, water, other supplies. Uh, we've mentioned how you should be investing time and money in learning certain skills mm-hmm. uh, like first aid, Uh, And, you know, getting your finances in order and things like that. But one aspect we've really briefly touched on is that it's important to be physically fit for the dangerous future, right? Everybody's seen The Walking Dead.
0: Yeah, you get a lot of walking.
1: A lot of walking. Yeah. (laughs) Keyword there is walking dead. Yeah. But no, I mean, honestly, though, like in the event of a disaster, you're likely going to have to exert yourself physically in ways, not just flee, but even if just the power's out, Mm -hmm. you're suddenly going to have to lift stuff and move things around and do physical activities that you probably haven't been doing. Yeah. And so it's important to get ready ahead of time because like the day of the power outage isn't the day you can start like, all right.
0: You know, it would really suck if you were like, finally did. You're like, I'm going to get in shape for it. And then that's when shit goes wrong. <laughs>
1: that's the day. You or got the day shape.
0: after when you're super sore.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, it takes a little while. Like, yeah. it's, it's not one of these things like, you can go out and buy a case of water and go from zero water to prepared water. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't do that with your physical fitness. It That's takes true. some time. So it's a good thing now that the weather is getting nicer and you can start getting outside and going for runs. And a lot of people start thinking now about their summer bodies. Yes. It's time to start uh, thinking about physical fitness for preparedness. It's
0: time to think about our climate change bodies.
1: Yeah. The other thing, you know, is important for our, you know, our point of view. We, talk, we joke around about how depressed we are when we tell all these terrible news stories. But physical fitness is one of the best things for your mental health. Right, There's that. very few things that can be better for depression and just general kind of mental sanity than regular exercise. Though
0: when I have to contemplate going on to do an exercise, I feel the most depressed.
1: <laughs> well, Karen, next time we do this podcast, we're going to be on a treadmill.
0: No, we are not.
1: <laughs> no. It also reduces your chances of getting those like other illnesses. So, like, even if the planet wasn't dying and we weren't destroying the world, physical fitness is important because of just general health, right? Yes. Like, we all understand this. I don't need to harp on it. But things like heart attacks, disease, injuries, like sprains or pulled muscles can really mess with your life. And if you're in better fit- physical shape, you don't have to worry about those things. Yeah. And like we said, uh, in the event of emergency, you're more likely to need to hike, haul, crawl, climb, bend, lift, or run away from zombies. Yeah. <laughs> zombies the other nice thing about the physical fitness as a prep is that it's ultimately a pretty cheap one you know you can buy an expensive gym membership you can go to the country club but you don't have to you can get physically fit in your house or on, outside of it or just running around there's people that work out in the park like freaks
0: <laughs> you know freaks
1: <laughs> but i mean you can do all these things it really costs zero dollars to do a push-up you know what but i'm saying you
0: know what other costs <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're not selling it yeah so not only is it cheaper to get physically fit but it's actually cheaper over time True. eating healthy is cheaper on the long run than eating you know junk food all the time you
0: do have to recognize in the short term it is very difficult to eat healthy with a low income
1: sure it can be difficult but over the long run it's ultimately going to save you money
0: but if you only have five dollars you're yeah. going to the dollar mint
1: no. it can be tough to get started for sure and, uh, of course, you also reduce your risk of things like diabetes, uh, heart disease, which, and of course, means we are going to spend less on medical care. You know, in a country without, you know, single-payer health care, that's an important, you know, cost that needs to be factored to into it. too
0: figure it out, Derek.
1: Of course, everybody already knows all this stuff, right? right? This is the thing. You know, we don't need to really sell you all on physical fitness. You know, everybody already knows it. The h- problem is it's hard.
0: It's just so hard to want to do it.
1: So... It's hard to break habits that you have that are bad, and so what are some ways to start? Uh, the first one is always to have a goal, right? Mm-hmm. Set a goal every time anybody talks about learning a new skill or doing anything, really just literally writing down a goal. Not just have it in your mind, say it out loud, write it down. Some people like to put it up in the mirror in the morning and stare at it. You don't have to be so extreme, but <sighs> writing down your goals is important, right? It doesn't matter what it is. Just start with a reasonably attainable goal. Could be, you know, jog a mile or lose 10 pounds or something that you could be to help you get more emergency fit. Over at the prepared.com, another plug forum, they have an article on physical fitness and they list 10 different skills that they think a, a reasonably fit person should be able to do in the event of an emergency. Okay. And so, like, those are a really good start. And you don't have to go all 10. You can do one at a time.
0: I'm sneaking a peek and number one is the one I'm struggling with right now.
1: Yeah. So number one is going to be difficult for a lot of people, but it's an important one. It's comfortably survive on 1500 calories a day with high physical activity or stress.
0: That's what I'm trying to do right so now.
1: So going on a diet is important, right? Uh, carrying a 30 pound backpack on foot for 10 hours.
0: Ooh, That's pretty strong.
1: That's a, that's a lot of back strain let me tell you uh, so maybe
0: start with just a backpack
1: <laughs> well you you don't start for 10 hours yeah. but you know you're like can i lift 30 pounds on my back some yeah. people the answer is no yeah. so you get to that and then you're like can i take this 30 pound backpack around the block, the block yeah. can i go for a mile can i go oh, whatever you know then it's lift a 7 gallon water container and walk 100 feet like 7 gallons is 55 pounds
0: Yeah, it's Like, we've talked
1: about water is heavy, but if you're storing water and have to, you know, survive off of stored water, you're going to have to move that water, guys. You were joking about it when you had to go up the stairs to your apartment or whatever. Right? It can be tough to lift full water containers. Yeah, it is. You know, that's a practical skill. Uh, Drag or carry a 150-pound person 100 feet. Like, let's say, you know, your house was on fire and someone was unconscious and you had to drag them out of the house. Could you do it? right like that's a practical skill that's a physical fitness task hike five miles in the woods uh then it says kill a deer break it down and carry it out
0: hold on a second that's a
1: lot of skills that's there. a
0: hell of a skill set yeah there's a lot I got, that that's one. a big jump from eating 1500 calories a day to kill skin carry a freaking deer
1: so skip out the kill a deer and break it down part and just hike five miles and then carry a bunch of weight five miles back that's a skill
0: wow that's what's the next one
1: the next one goes way back down climb over a car or large obstacle
0: i could see that yeah
1: run jog one mile over unpaved ground right swim across an average river that one's not great for you karen i remember you on swim team that was rough
0: listen I was not meant for it. (laughs) If it comes down to me swimming across a river, it's over. I'll camp out on the one side and take whatever's coming my way.
1: Uh, Escape for from or defend yourself against an opponent, and spend the day gardening without destroying your joints or back. That can be a tough one. Sunburn. Yeah, but I mean, like just bending over and spending the day kind of hunched over, eh, it can be tough on your back. I got old man back. But the point is, these are some things that you might realistically have to do in the event of an emergency.
0: Other than hike five miles in the woods, kill a deer, break it down, and carry it out. Minus nine goals. <laughs> nine goals.
1: I mean, it doesn't have to be kill a deer, but the idea that you might have to hike a distance and then carry a heavyweight back to your home is probably something reasonable. It doesn't have to be a dead deer carcass. It could just that be like the wild. femur rice. Did
0: you read that beforehand? <laughs> yeah, <I did.
1: laughs> All right, so... How do you get started on these sort of things? Goals. Yeah. Experts say the biggest way to change habits like this is not to go like cold turkey and change everything all at once.
0: It's too hard You give up.
1: What ends up happening is, yeah, it becomes too much and then you quit it all. So they say start changing like one variable at a time. So first, you know, start eating less. Then start eating healthier. Mm -hmm. Then start exercising. Then start doing, you know, like slowly over time, like give it a week and then change tweak one more thing mm-hmm. so that you get used to each change gradually, like ease your way into yeah. it. Don't just jump into the diving board. Yeah. So everyone can start with just changing one thing. Walk around the block this week every day or whatever. You know, depends on where you are fit- you know, physically Don't fit.
0: Don't buy soda at home.
1: Sure. Any number of the things. Start small and slowly change it. All right. Luckily, it's unlikely that the zombie apocalypse will be happening next week. So you have time. Or ever. I mean, coronavirus, who knows?
0: Zombies, but... come on. Could be zombies. not Could be zombies. Uh,
1: another good point is that you don't need to have high-tech equipment or even like a gym membership to get in shape. We kind of mentioned this before. Functional fitness is really easy to obtain with movements that use really only your own body weight. Yeah. So it's really easy to get pretty functionally fit. You're never going to get like body builder jacked. But you don't need to. Like, this is the thing. This is about rational preparedness. Nobody's saying you need to spend 20 hours in a gym lifting weight in order to be prepared for an emergency. But you do need to be able to, you know, lift your own body weight, drag things, climb over things, be reasonably fit. And But that can all be done through body weight movements. Those yeah. are hard enough. Anybody who's done burpees knows it can be difficult to get this stuff done with just your own body weight. But all that can be done in your living room. And there are tons of free, easy resources for, like, you know, exercise routines, mm-hmm. whatever else. One that I found, I just did a little bit of a search this past week that I kind of liked was called nerdfitness.com. Okay. <laughs> I mean, what I liked about it is that it was pretty self-deprecating, obviously, NerdFitness. fitness. Uh, it was very reasonable. It kind of was like, hey, doesn't matter where you're at. Here's a way to start. It had a lot of good information, really kind of solid information about both nutrition and exercise. It started, you know, it's, they give you a ton of free information. They do have like their own like, training thing that they want you to sign up for but tons of free information on their website but there's so many other free websites out there that have good information about how to kind of get started exercising um and you know what you can do or like one thing that a lot of people do is they have a gym membership and they never go because they don't know what to do. They don't gym know how to use scary. the machines. They don't know how to use any of this stuff. It's embarrassing. It can be very embarrassing. You know, there's tons of resources for how to navigate that, how to move from get just a running. tour. Yeah, get a tour. Well, but I mean, a lot of gyms have, you know, the workers will help you. They'll show you what to do. Yeah. Um, but you can even like go on to like nerdfitness.com has like what to do at a gym and it gives you like five different machines and like what they do and why those are good ones and what are some of them are not worth your time things like that so tons of different resources that's just one but that information is easy to find on the internet Uh, besides exercising more the single biggest thing we can do to get more fit is lose extra weight right let's be honest all of us are probably carrying a little bit more weight than we'd like to be sure right um and it's not rocket science to lose weight, as you said. You really just have to lower your calorie intake. If you eat less calories than you burn, you're gonna lose weight. You can lose weight eating nothing but M and Ms. You can. It's probably not a great idea. You'd be very hungry. You'd be very hungry and probably very malnourished. <laughs> uh, but the idea is simple: eat less calories than you can, than you burn.
0: But also give yourself a cheat day, because otherwise you're gonna want to quit.
1: Sure. <laughs> but there, you know, it's not a secret. Like no. You know, you see these bodybuilders. They're not the smartest people on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> they, oh, we
0: just lost bodybuilders. Somebody oh, you know
1: what I'm saying? Like, they've figured it out. Yeah. Like, it's not that hard. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's hard to do, but not that hard to figure out.
0: People have been losing weight before whatever new diet has come around. Sure. It's not that difficult.
1: Of course, the M&M diet is not a great one to not go recommended. on. If you're looking for like what's an established diet that's going to do work well.
0: High protein, low carb. Yeah, it
1: makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but like paleo and keto diets work really good for weight loss and for maintaining like good nutritional kind of input. So, like, if you really need a diet, if you need, like, to go find a cookbook or something. There
0: are so many 1,500-calorie meal plan things on the internet I've looked at this week. Oh, I'm not sure. going to lie. You're going to eat a lot of egg. You're going to eat a lot of turkey roll-ups. And there's going to be a lot of stuff you fully go, I'm not eating lentils. Quinoa, get out of here. You <laughs> don't gotta even
1: know what that is. got to be kidding me with that.
0: All right, fine. Salmon, I recognize that.
1: Sure. Uh, don't go for supplements. Those are a scam no uh, for the most part
0: or appetite suppressants or yeah. diet pills any
1: any pill you have to take probably not a great plan it's just gonna give you unless your doctor a it yeah. go to your doctor but for the most part yeah any sort of like supplement or weight loss pill or Didn't anything diet pills do. used to be like speed yeah basically <laughs> the other big thing corinne and this is another important one in regards to preparedness is sleep this I one's like my biggest problem. Do. This was a big one for me when I was losing a lot of weight. Like I lost 70 pounds a couple of years ago uh, and I've gained some of it back. I need to get back, but I haven't gained it all back. That's good. Uh, but when I did, one of the biggest changes I had to make was I forced myself to get eight hours of sleep every night. Uh, I had to go to bed way earlier than I would normally have thought to go to bed.
0: But once you're exercising, you're a little bit more tired at the end of the day.
1: Sure. And the exor- and the sleep is really important once you start because it sleep is when your body repairs itself. It right. also is a good tool to reduce stress and anxiety and that depression and whatever else. So getting a good night's sleep every night is important. And yeah, in a stressful situation like an emergency, finding time to get some sleep is important. Fix your sleep habits, guys.
0: On it. I'll get to lots of sleep tonight. Can do.
1: Yep. Uh, The one thing that they say that, you know, everybody says that's really important whenever you're tracking any of these changes, start recording, measuring what you do every day. Mm. So for whether it's eating better, exercising more, sleeping more, any of those things, what you write down, what you record, you're going to maximize, right? We're just naturally kind of, you know, if we write down five hours of sleep tonight, the next night, you're gonna want to get 5.1. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just natural. Yeah, yeah. We're a little competitive with ourselves in that sense, so it's a really a good idea to record all of your activity as far as this goes, as a way to kind of build a good habit. Uh, so yeah, those are the sort of three big things that you can do. You know, change your exercise routine, change your eating routine, change your sleep routine to really help yourself get in a more f- better physical shape for an emergency. I like it. That's kind of all we had today. I mean, this isn't rocket scientists. We've all heard these, you know, recommendations before. I'm not the first person to tell you all you need to stop but listening reason. to this podcast and go to sleep. But think about it in terms of emergency preparedness. Sure. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for today, Corinne, unless you had anything else.
0: Well, I'm going to go get started on that uh, eight hours of sleep tonight right now.
1: I thought you said you were going to get started on the M&M diet.
0: Mm, that would be nice. <laughs>
1: all right well thank you guys for listening uh, if, if you like our show please like subscribe
0: write a review write a
1: review yeah that's always Help important send us an pod. email um, do all the good things yeah don't tell your friends about the show and we will see you all shortly thanks for listening thanks for listening bye